Several weeks ago, I was invited to speak at a women's event at the church I grew up in, and today I'm sharing the audio from that event with you. In my talk, I shared about five common thieves of joy, things that distract us from the beauty of our reality, steal our focus, and keep us in a mental and emotional spiral. These things can hit us anytime, but let's be honest, Christmas can be a little extra. So I invite you to listen as I share my struggles, my heart, and my hope for you this Christmas. Have a very merry, imperfect Christmas, everyone. Hi, I'm Becky, the host of the Girl on a Hill podcast, where we encourage you to stop hiding, start shining, and to be the woman you were created to be. You can download Girl on a Hill podcast on your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and now, let's head to the hill. It is super special to be here. Um, Just looking at this room, how many people in this room I still just dearly love and care about is... Okay, Sana's going to make me cry. (laughs) Big cry baby, I weep watching Wheel of Fortune, so I cry but just people that I really love and just so many special memories in this building. I remember walking through those doors as a little girl and someone asking me if I wanted to go to big girl Sunday school class for the first time. And it was right there where the handicapped bathroom was. Um, wasn't that then. Um, I, you know, my daughter's learning to drive. I learned to drive in that back parking lot. The first time I ever laid eyes on my husband was in Cheryl Lance's living room. So <laughs> you guys are, you are a special place and it's really exciting um, for me to be here. So, how I came to pick this topic is for a really long time, I felt burdened by Christmas. Because, let's face it, it's a lot. There's a lot of pressure, and granted, a lot of it is self-imposed, because we can be our own worst enemy, for sure. But I've discovered over the years, it's taken me some time, taken me 40 years to get to some of these, that there are some really common thieves of joy Now, they can steal our joy all year long, but if we're being honest, Christmas can be a little extra. Um, There's actually a stress inventory scale that you can kind of take to check to your mental health. Okay, going to prison is on this list right alongside Christmas, if that tells you anything. So Christmas can add some extra feelings, and it's complicated emotionally for a lot of us. Um, It might bring back some hard memories from your past. Maybe you're wrestling with the fact that your kids aren't small anymore. Maybe you're feeling like this might be your mom's last Christmas. All the things. It brings up a lot of hard feelings. And like I said, this isn't a, I said this on my podcast last week, this is not a dig at men because my husband's doing all kinds of things I can't do. But a lot of uh, the extras of Christmas fall on the women where there's all the baking and the cooking and the shopping and the thinking of the thoughtful gifts and the buying of the gifts and the wrapping of the gifts and the entertaining and the decorating and the traditions and the school concerts, and it's it's pretty much all on you. So then all these things are going on, and yet we do these things to ourselves where we suddenly feel like we have to do all the things at Christmas. We have to do all the traditions and go to all the activities and go to all the parties and watch all the movies and do all the food. And then suddenly celebrating Christmas simply or in the way that brings you joy or that works for your family with your current bandwidth and budget suddenly just feels like not enough. 
And that brings me to thief number one, the two words that I think plague pretty much every woman I've ever met, not enough. And let me tell you, that's number one, it's the voice of the enemy, but it's also the voice of insecurity. And it's the voice that wants to trap you in that prove it cycle where you are hustling for your worth and where you feel like you need to do all of the things to gain your worthiness and where you're motivated by approval. Um, Now, it's easy. I was trapped in that for a really long time, but it's also really easy to do it at Christmas. And um, for some of us who, okay, I'm kidding myself, calling myself younger, but um, where you're doing stuff to um, post, you know, I got to get this so I can get it up on social media or so that you want to prove to your friends, look at me, I'm the good mom, or I'm the cool grandma, I'm the fun aunt, where you're doing it for that wrong motivation so that people will look at you and you can prove that you're good enough. And that's malarkey. Um, and it's, it's not just in telling you that you have to do all the things. It's insecurity is the voice that tells you it's in the doing of the things that makes you enough. And it's the things like the guilt that keeps you up at night and makes you cry yourself to sleep because you didn't make your children Christmas-shaped waffles. Um, not that I know anything about that. That hey, maybe happened to a friend. <laughs> Definitely not me. And that drives, uh, what drives thief number one of insecurity is thief number two, comparison. Now, I don't know about you guys, but so anybody like to go to Ikea? Okay, I like Ikea too, but my husband will no longer go with me. Um, because the second we walk into Ikea, and not the part where you buy the dressers that have 430 pieces, but the part of the showrooms, the second I walk into those showrooms, suddenly every single item in my house is no longer good enough. It's all real ugly, and we just, we live in a dump after walking through the things. And it's like that, and now I feel like Pinterest has kind of become my digital Ikea, where you're looking at all the things and all the things everybody else is doing. And it's just that comparison that sneaks in and rips away your joy with what you were once happy with and what once gave you joy and made you feel good about how you were spending the holidays with your family and with your friends is suddenly not good enough. I'll give you a real life example. Um, so you know I'm not just preaching to the choir, like this is, this is on me. I was feeling really good about our Thanksgiving. We do Thanksgiving really simply. I'm an only child. It's just us, my parents, my kids. Um, and we go through buffet style because four kids and mess and I don't have the bandwidth to create the tablescape or whatever you're supposed to do. And I was feeling pretty good about walking through the buffet style with my mismatched Pioneer Woman plates. And then I got online and saw my friend who had this beautiful table with the placemats and the the double plates, if you pull off double plates, I think you are amazing, because I just, <laughs> I can't even do that. And folded napkin, we don't, cloth napkins, goodness. I have paper towels, you're lucky if you get that at my house. But I was feeling really good about my Thanksgiving until I saw what she did, and then it was like, oh, you're not enough, Becky. You're a pretty terrible wife and mother, and your kids are growing up with garbage. <laughs> And it might happen for you too, where you might have sat around the kitchen table making construction paper Christmas cards with your grandkids, and you had this moment of connection, and you felt so good about it until you saw that Mary Ellen took her grandkids to Zoo Lights. And now all of a sudden, this special time you had feels like not enough. Or maybe 
you see online or your friend, you go to your friend's house and she has this beautiful handmade wreath. She knows how to arrange the boughs and I, again, something I can't do. But you see this and you had felt really good about that wreath you got on clearance at Hobby Lobby and it had made you really happy until you saw the beautiful wreath. And now all of a sudden, hmm, what once made you smile now makes you feel shame. And that's what comparison does. And it's no good. I don't want you to ever feel less than because you're looking at what you have and holding it up against someone else's. And we miss out on so much of our extraordinary ordinary because our life doesn't look like someone else's. And it shouldn't. Your Christmas and your life shouldn't look like anybody else's because families are different and emotional bandwidth is all over the place right now. Budgets are different, time is different, energy is different, and that's all okay. You can't compare. Just as a side note too, what people talk about and what people post about on the internet is not the whole or the real story, ever. That is someone's highlight reel and you don't see their behind the scenes. Give you another real world example. Posted a picture several years back of my youngest son sitting on the counter next to a blender full of green smoothie posted something like, helping mommy make the smoothies, hashtag healthy kids. Okay, my child would rather kiss a porcupine than eat anything with spinach in it. Still posted the picture. So what you see other people share might not be reality. Regardless, the quality of your Christmas or the quality of your life has absolutely nothing to do with what anybody else is doing. But still, we feel insecure and we feel less than and we're doing the comparison. And then we decide to go and set cuckoo ridiculous expectations for ourselves that we can't ever possibly live up to. And that brings me to thief number three, expectations. And I feel like there's this feeling where we're not only supposed to make Christmas Day special, but there's a lot of pressure to make all of December magical and wondrous where we're supposed to have everyday rain sugar plums and your house is supposed to smell like cookies and everyone's faces should be alight with holiday glow and wonder. When honestly, I don't even know what a sugar plum is. My house smells like teenage boys and the only thing aglow is the $3 candle I picked up at Walmart. So, but that, my stinky teenage boy house that I don't, still, if anyone knows what a sugar plum is, please fill me in. That is my real life. And that's my beautiful, imperfect, messy, wonderful life. It's the construction paper cards and the Hobby Lobby wreath and my mismatched plates on Thanksgiving that makes it real and beautiful. And it's happy, but it took me a really long time to adjust my expectations to see that. Because we spend so much of our time and our energy and our resources trying to make things perfect which isn't a thing, that we miss the magic in the ordinary, regular moments because we're waiting around for our life to be perfect and magical. Which leads me to line number four, perfectionism. Now, my daughter is here and I got her permission to tell this story. And it didn't happen yesterday, so she wasn't doing this as a, as a high schooler. So anybody else... Uh, Kids love blanket forts, right? I loved them as a kid. All four of my kids loved blanket forts. 
So she asked one day, mommy, can I make a blanket fort using our kitchen table? And I said, sure, Hannah. But I let her know, you know, when it's time for dinner, blankets have to go away. We're going to need to sit at the table. Okay. She was great. She got out all the blankets and all the pillows, and she worked so hard setting up this blanket fort. And she kept tweaking it and adjusting it. And it looked so good to me, and I, I wanted to go play in the blanket fort. But she just kept playing with, like, just adjusting the sheet a little bit or getting another blanket, getting another pillow. And suddenly, hours went by, and it was time for dinner. And I had to tell her it was time to put it away, and she never got to play in it. And I say, say this not to have you pity Hannah, but because I relate. Because how often do I waste my time fussing with the details and working to make things perfect that I never actually enjoy what I have in front of me? I think about how many things I missed, missed out on seeing how great they were because I was waiting for them to be perfect. I think about when my kids were little, and it still honestly kind of happens now, no offense, Hannah, to you and your siblings, when my kids kind of decorate our tree now and the ornaments are all clumpy and younger Becky would really get twitchy inside because it didn't look very good. But now I just see it, oh, that's beautiful because it's my babies that are decorating it and they're not gonna live with me forever. Or I think about how when they wrap paper and they wrap it so clumsily and messily, but that's beautiful. It doesn't need to look like Martha Stewart because she doesn't live at my house. My kids do and I want to enjoy what I have in front of me. Like you guys, you can always do more. I mean, seriously, if you want to go to digital Ikea, get on Pinterest. There's so many more things you can do. But I just this season want to stop and enjoy what I already have. I don't want to miss, keep missing out on my life because it's not looking the way I had hoped it would look. Because let's get real, illness happens, turkeys dry out, carefully purchased gifts get chucked on the floor, have you ever given a seven-year-old boy pants? <laughs> Things break. Weather causes delays. Kids fight on Christmas. Adults fight on Christmas. Power goes out. Pandemics happen. Life happens. Real, messy, imperfect life. And Christmas still comes. Beautiful, messy, real-life Christmas. And we miss it. Some of us miss it because we're trying to manufacture wonder-filled moments. Some of us miss it because we're trading actual moments of connection for stylized, Instagrammable moments that lack any real meaning. A lot of us, this is a big one, a lot of us miss it because we're stuck in the before or in the someday. I think some of us might be stuck thinking about, I wish that, I mean, I, I miss when my kids were little or I miss when COVID wasn't a thing, or I miss when my mom still remembered who I was. Some of us might be thinking about the someday, like Christmas will be better when I'm married. Christmas will be better when I have grandkids. And we're not living in our present. And some of us are just missing it because our life maybe doesn't look right now like we thought it would or like we wanted it to. Might be saying, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I'd imagined or what I'd planned. This is what God planned. I have to tell you, those two words, God knew, 
have gotten me through the last two years like nothing else. Knowing that he knew that all of this crazy pants stuff was coming. He knew everything I was going to go through. That got me through. And there will be times at Christmas and in your life where God will give you the gift of having your moments feel like you're living in your own real-world Hallmark movie where everything works out exactly the way and it's wrapped up with a neat little bow. But a lot of the time, he just needs to strip away all of the extra junk we've added to Christmas. It's not really about Christmas at all. Which leads me to my last thief, distraction. So like I said, I think about all the moments I've missed. And I've missed so many because I've been fussing over the details and doing things for other people without actually ever connecting with the people. It's, it's so cliche to bring this up at a women's ministry, but it's such a Martha thing to do. And, like, and we yell at her in the Bible, like, she's doing all this stuff for Jesus, and hey, lady, Jesus is right there. But we do the same thing. I think about, I think about my grandma. She's passed now, but I, every holiday meal, I think of her standing at the sink doing the dishes. I don't know that she ever sat at the table with us. She was always moving on to the next thing to get everything ready or to make sure someone else had another helping that she never stopped to actually enjoy. She was doing stuff for her family, and that's honorable, but she was never actually with her family. Or I think about all of the snowball fights and things I've missed out on with my own kids Watching them play while I'm inside going, oh, it would be really great for the blog right now if I came up with like a snowflake craft. And I'm inside doing that while my kids are outside in this rare snow playing and I'm inside missing it. We're pulled away by so many things that we think are so important that aren't actually the important things at all. And there are some really fun distractions at Christmas. And I am right up there with Buddy the Elf at loving them way more than most people. They're not bad things. They're not. And most of the things that are going to pull our attention away from God aren't the bad things. They're the morally neutral things. Un momento. They're just the little things that pull our focus just a tiny bit. My husband likes to say that if, if the enemy can shift your focus just a fraction of a degree off of Jesus, you're still headed in the wrong direction. And those things just pull our focus just a teeny bit, and they keep our minds focused on the other. And we get so caught up in doing all of these good things that we don't have space left for the best things. It's a holiday all about our Savior, and it's so easy to make it not about him at all. But we can become more present this season by practicing his presence and by being with him. And then all those other things fade away. The traditions and the movies and the cookies and the people are such amazing gifts. And I love them more than most people. But those aren't what Christmas really is. And I know that for my own life, anytime I take my eyes off of Jesus, even for a second, it's when my brain goes into that spiral and life starts to feel chaotic and my world feels like it's spinning and I lose my perspective on all the things that matter. So I thought for a fix, I would take you to the real life Christmas story 
where things didn't go as planned, the mother of all Christmas stories. So I've been thinking about Mary a lot this year. First of all, this poor girl. Okay, she was likely a teenager. That right there, whew, I would have made the world's worst mother when I was when I was in high school. Oh boy, that would have been that would have been awful. Um, and then I don't know. I remember when when we had Hannah getting home from the hospital that first night and just kind of looking at each other, going, "What are we supposed to do?" It was so much pressure to keep a regular child alive. And this is a teenage girl knowing I have to keep the savior of the universe okay. Like, that's a lot of pressure. And then she's on a road trip, which is where every woman wants to be when she's pregnant. (laughs) Then she's not married and very large. And let's be real honest, modern culture's pretty rude to unwed mothers. This was Bible time, so she's probably facing a lot of judgment. Then, depending on which Sunday school teacher is telling you the story, she's giving birth in either a stable or a cave. Again, not exactly where I'd want to give birth. She's with the animals. My two nearest neighbors both have livestock. They don't smell great. And then, after giving birth, she's visited by a large group of shepherds who are likely teenage boys. Totally who I wanted to come see me after having my kids, okay? (laughs) So she's in this boat, super not fun, uncomfortable. That was nobody's birth plan. That wasn't, I bet, what she dreamed of when she thought about having kids. It wasn't ideal at all, but it was real, and it was hers. So this, and actually Melanie shared something that, that, that was like what I'm about to say too. When you grow up kind of like a church kid or, or when you've heard these stories so many times, they start to lose meaning after a while. But this, I was reading Luke 2 a couple weeks ago in my devotion. Something just smacked me over the head. And I hope you never get to a place in your spiritual walk where you feel like you've learned everything there is to learn. There is always something new on those pages to jump out and hit you. And this just, I remember as a kid, my dad would read Luke 2 every morning before he would let us open the Christmas presents. You know, when he'd haul out the giant family Bible that's the size of a small toddler and, and read the story and you were just like, come on. And you just wanted to get to the presents. And so, and it just became rote. Decree went out from Caesar Augustus. But this time, I don't know why, it just jumped off the page and I found myself sitting on my bed weeping over this one verse, Luke 2, 19. I'm going to read it to you in three versions because it's just that good. But Mary treasured, again, after all these things, visited by the teenage boys, having your baby amongst the cattle on a road trip, unmarried, savior of the universe. Okay. Mary treasured, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Or Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. That's profound to me. She was present in her real life, messy, unplanned, this isn't at all what I wanted, Lord, moment. And she was focused on those perfectly imperfect details And she savored them, and she took them in with intention and with gratitude. 
because all I, all I can think is that she was treasuring what was instead of thinking about what could have been or what she wanted. And we have to start living lives that accept what is instead of continuing to dwell on the things we'd been hoping for. Because this is our life. Whatever is happening in your family, in your circumstances, in your budget, in the world, whatever is going on right now, this is your life, regardless of how you feel about it. And it's the only one we get. And what I, this, this lesson hit me a lot during the pandemic, but if, where I just realized if I wait for everything to go my way or to happen exactly as I want it to, to line up to, with my hopes and my dreams, if I need all of that to be satisfied and to be content, I'm never gonna be content. And I'll never have joy or hope or peace. Because when our hope and our joy and our peace are put in the hands of temporary things, our hope and joy and peace will only ever be temporary. And I have to wonder if Mary, in the midst of this crazy day and potentially the most stressful Christmas ever, if she was able to be fully present in those moments, savoring and treasuring the beauty of her reality, I have to wonder if it's because of who was in her arms. And I think that's the answer for all of us. It's Jesus. We're spending time with Jesus, the rest falls away. And we're able to be present because our focus on him blurs all that other stuff. And all of a sudden the crazy expectations go away and we stop caring where you got your wreath or what you're doing with your grandkids. And we feel secure in who we are because we know who he says we are. And everything doesn't matter so much anymore. And that's what I want for you this Christmas is I want you to just keep your eyes on Jesus and not let the enemy whisper those ridiculous lies in your head and not let these goofy things steal your joy because we have so much joy and so much to be hopeful for. And I just want you to not miss your beautiful, messy, ordinary, waiting for perfect to happen. I'm gonna pray for you. Lord, I just thank you so much for this room full of women that, that came out and gave up a Friday night to come and fellowship and to, come to learn and to be encouraged extra blessing to my fellow introverts in the room for making the leap. That's awesome. Just, I pray that you would bless these women, Lord. I pray that, pray that you would bless this church. I pray that you would strengthen them and encourage them. And I pray that these friendships would grow and would deepen and that you would just bless, bless their lives. I pray that you would help all of us to just focus on you and focus on what matters this holiday season and that you would just let these thieves fall away. And that you would just help us to remember that you are what truly matters. And if we have you, nothing else does. Thank you, Lord. I would just uh, keep us safe as we drive home and, and bless our conversations. Amen. You've been listening to the Girl in a Hill podcast. Please help us out by sharing the podcast with your friends, connecting with us on social media, and leaving a review on Apple Podcast. We're here to climb the hill with you as we all work to stop hiding, start shining, and be the women we were created to be. Join the conversation by connecting with us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Find us at facebook.com slash girl on a hill podcast 
or instagram.com slash girl on a hill podcast. You'll also want to check out our website, www.girlonahill.com, where we not only share each new podcast episode, but encouraging blog posts and links to any resources shared or talked about on the pod. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week.